the ruckus. The ruckus. Good evening and happy Wednesday. It is time for another installment of the Ruckus Podcast brought to you by BadCulture.net. I'm your host, Jay LaBeouf. I'm joined by RB, the Raging Babe. We have a fantastic show scheduled for you tonight. If you've been following us in social media all week, you already know. We're joined tonight by the man, the myth, the legend, the alien, the executioner, just don't call him late for dinner. Bernard Hopkins will be joining us in just a moment. It is Canelo versus Con Fight Week in Las Vegas. So busy out there breaking in the new T-Mobile arena. So I'm sure the fans are looking forward to that. People are starting to make their way. It's already Wednesday. Thursday should start heating up. Fighter grand arrivals were happening this week. And so they are looking forward to a great event in Las Vegas. At the conclusion of our interview, we'll catch up on the latest and hot topics or some topics in boxing. Of course, we had the new signing announced today of Anthony Joshua to an exclusive deal with Showtime. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Adrian Broner is in the news again, but this time for no legal troubles. He was uh, paid a visit to the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne and Angela Yee and DJ Envy over there on the East Coast. We'll talk a little bit about his interview, a possible Lucas Matisse return this fall. Crawford Postal press conference is happening in Los Angeles next week. So new developments in the sport, despite it being a fight week, still a lot of news in the boxing marketplace. So if you would like to call into the show during the broadcast, the call-in number is 718-508-9852. Let me swing it over to my co-host, RB. RB, what's the latest with you from Phoenix, Arizona tonight? Man, we've been looking forward to this show all week, and it's such a coincidence that we have Bernard on tonight. And out in Vegas today, he really riled some people up, and so it's just awesome that we have him on tonight. We're going to talk to him about what's going on out there in Vegas, the promotion of this card, and we, we want to take it back a little bit with him, too, back, you know, in his younger days, starting out in boxing to the present and the future, and I think we're going to bring up a lot of things with Bernard that maybe a lot of mainstream fans didn't know about, so this is going to be a really treat for everyone tonight. Yes, it's definitely going to be a great show. As we await the call in, I just wanted to ask you, have you seen this picture that's been floating around of Amir Khan this week? It's been getting a little bit of troll in the social media of him just looking real stocky, just real big. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this new, thicker, bigger Amir Khan? He looks so husky. He looks really, really husky, and I think it is going to slow him down. He's got an amazing strength and conditioning coach with Luis Garcia, but you know, I, I don't see all this bulk helping him. If anything, if I were him, I still would have came in a little lower. You know, just because mm-hmm. the weight is 155 doesn't mean he had to come in at 155. He could have came in at 150, 151, and maybe still kept his speed and swiftness and footwork. But I think with his idea of I'm going to come in heavy like Canelo, I don't think it's going to work for him. Right. It's just kind of disconcerting to see him that big. I've never seen him that big before. But then again, I don't see Amir Khan when he's not training. But it just looks like it's going to slow him down. 
I don't know, I could be wrong. Virgil Hunter was very clear during all the different festivities that a fighter with speed is not affected by weight no matter what way they are. But I guess we shall wait and see what happens on Saturday night. All I know is I want a good fight. What about you? I do too. I really enjoy the undercard and I think it's going to be a great night. Unfortunately, we were not able to be there. I know. That's okay. We're there in spirit. We are there in spirit and we will be doing, hopefully we'll have a chance to do a post-fight show after the matchup. So stand by for information on that in social media. Follow if you're already following RB and you're following myself on Twitter, make sure you look out for information on that. Another thing to look forward to during the fight weekend, Curtis Stevens, who did the show recently, that's going to be a great, great fight. So looking forward to that as well. You know, I spoke with someone out in Vegas today, and they went to the media workouts, and they reported back to me that David Lemieux looks so sharp, so in mm. shape, so strong. They said, Michelle, his left hooks were like, so loud during that media workout. They're like, yo, you know, I hope Taffy is ready for that. I hope he's been doing his ab workouts because I don't know if that's that shit's going to bounce off of them abs. And I'm like, whoo. So the word over from Vegas is Lemu looks sharp, strong, in shape. Whoo. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping so, especially after the last fight with the issues with the weight. So I guess he's looking to get that monkey off his back and move into a good fight and move in a spectacular fashion against Glenn Tapia. So we will wait to see what happens on Saturday night with David Lemieux. Once again, this is the Ruckus Podcast brought to you by BadCulture.net. I'm your host, Jay LaBeouf. I'm joined by RB, the Raging Babe. So happy you could tune in with us tonight. If you can't tell, we're just waiting for our guests to join us. It's a very, very busy fight week, breaking in a new arena, a lot of people in town. So we are just awaiting, probably just a little bit consumed with a lot of media obligations this week. So I see a number in the queue that I don't recognize. So let's just see if this is our guest. Hello, you are on with the ruckus. Who am I speaking to? Bernard Hopkins. Good evening, Mr. Hopkins. Before we get started, I knew you were coming on, so we just had to play this for you. A boy no in hot dimensions. That's right. We had to kick it off right for you. Good evening, Mr. Hopkins. For those tuning in, it is just such a great honor to be joined by this guest. It is with great honor I welcome the former undisputed middleweight champion, the former WBC, WBA, IBF light heavyweight champion, partner in Golden Boy, and the living symbol of the, just the fountain of youth, the alien, the executioner, none other than Bernard Hopkins. I, we appreciate you taking some time out of a very, very busy fight week to talk with us tonight. No problem. Good to be here. Good to be here. And I'm um, good to be involved in a, one of the, uh, the anticipated fights that's been talked about. So I'm glad to be on and share my wisdom with everybody that's listening. That's Excellent. great. But before we get into talking about Canelo Khan fight week, because there's so much we want to talk to you about, 
you got everybody really riled up today in Vegas, Bernard. I don't know what you were out there doing, but you made a comment, and it was about the Lovkin fighting um, Kovalev. And boxing Twitter, like, broke down. They went into a frenzy. You know, they were like, you know, was he drinking when he said that? And I'm thinking, well, why? You know, you did that. You moved up when you fought Tarver, and, and Sugar Ray Robinson did that. So why are people in such a frenzy and riled up about what you said today? Yes. I mean, I don't I, – I'm just finding out how excited everybody was one way or the other when I mentioned Sergey Kovalev and Triple G. But I like to really, really not avoid the question but concentrate on American – and Canelo, or I can say Canelo or American, because, you know, they shouldn't really get cheated for all of the conversation that's going to happen come Saturday, May 7th, because at the end of the day, it's going to be a fight that people was going to say whoever wins, because nothing is guaranteed. Whoever wins, right, then it, it becomes another topic, another conversation. But I did say that. I stand by that. But I don't want to shed a light on the possibility of what can happen in the future and not deal with the present. Because without dealing with the present, you can't look forward to the future. So I'm, I'm a guy that like to deal with what's at hand. And I, I think that when people really understand that, I know what they want, I know what they want to talk about, but let's not drop the ball on an exciting fight that Americans mm-hmm that Amir Khan was eager to take and wanted to take because he's been waiting and begging to fight Floyd Mayweather for, what, at least two years that I can remember? Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, I, I just want to just focus on this Saturday, HBO pay-per-view, Golden Boy promotion. You know, we well alive, we well committed to doing what we say we're going to do uh, to, to, well, say to everyone, and that is make the best fights. Um, and sometimes we win and sometimes we lose, but the fans win at the end, and that's important because they pay the dollars, and they continue to keep boxing least in the forefront of a conversation when it's big fights. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this fight, Carl. Let's just dive right into it. Obviously, upon the announcement, this was like boxing's best-kept secret. How were you all able to sit on this secret and create this excitement once the card was announced? Oh, it, it was, it was, you know, it was basically, you know, American wanted to fight also, but Canelo answered the call. He wanted to fight. I mean, you right. know, in boxing often, and, and, I, and I know I'm, I am going to answer the question, I hope I did quickly, but I'm not in a rush, but when you got one fighter wants to fight and no one else wants to fight, then you have, you have what you call a problem and you have a lot of soap opera type of, you know, debates going on through the media, through, you know, boxing fans, because they've seen off of what they hear. And I'm saying that in this case, when you got two fighters that want to fight, that's what you, you, what you get is what we have now. We, we get mm-hmm. fights like this that people are wondering, you know, why, how this fight happened so, so quickly. We wasn't prepared for this. That's, that's because you got to give, again, you got to give American First, the credit for wanting this fight. Yes, yes. Absolutely. He ain't a lot winning this fight. Do he make history? You know, to, to my knowledge, I think he's jumping up two weight classes like, I, like I've done when I fought Antonio Tarver for the lightweight mm-hmm. championship exactly. of the world because the middleweight never done that before. 
and I was I was right. eager to make history. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this this fight is is my DNA in in the history of the middleweight division because this is a middleweight fight. Even though Canelo is not a bona fide certified middleweight, but this mm-hmm. is a situation where if you look at my situation again, it's not about me, but I got to bring history, and I just fortunate enough through hard work and making sure that I be talked about years to come after my career is officially wound up being over, is here I'm sitting here profoundly talking about a middleweight division that I was part of for, what, 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14 years? And, and to see this happening, I got two things to talk about. I got history to talk about, and I got potential making history to talk about with Canelo and what he's doing and what Americana attempted to do. I mean, this is – I couldn't write a better script. I couldn't write a better right. script to be in this situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, being that the the history of you jumping up to weight classes, did did it give you a sense of satisfaction to see Amir Khan do something similar to kind of pattern himself after the lineage that you laid for the sport? I mean, yeah, I mean that first of all it takes a it takes a lot of guts to go up against a opponent that you know is, is stronger and a lot of people are telling you he's bigger, how are you going to keep him off you? Guys that are stronger compared to guys that's quicker but not really a big puncher normally normally get sort of a bum rushed in the corner or sort of get into a dog fight where they can't, they can't fight their way out. When you look at all these factors, that American has to face and has to fight really a perfect fight. Um, you, you again, you dare to be great. Let's not talk about it. Let's be about it. And I'm mm-hmm. not a rapper. I don't want to be a rapper, but that did sound good to me. And 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 maybe maybe it wind up on somebody's hook, somebody's hook out there in the in the music rap world. But right. I, I really mean that though. I really mean that. You know we you know. You can find 99.0% of fighters will say, whether they believe it or not, they want to be great and what they want to be. But at the end, if they don't want to do the fights and they let their advisors, managers, promoters, and all of them say, like, wait a minute, I know this is about business, but it's about my legacy and it's about my career, and I'm willing to do this particular fight to, to dare to be great. And, and, and very few, unfortunately, unfortunately take their career as their career first and not no one else's and they do what they need to do. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, I look at things out of the box and say a lot of other fighters might be wanting to fight certain fighters that they haven't fought in the last couple of years or wanted to fight. Now is really the time to step up and, and, and start and start calling them out because I think Khan did a thing where that, you know, we want to see the big fights, and there's fighters out there who want to fight the best in their division. So let's let's hope this opens up a floodgates where now we can see fights and boxing can be right on the forefront of corporate America. Excellent. As as boxing moves back to the forefront of corporate America, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your your history with the sport, and just a hot topic that's in the marketplace is the Muhammad Ali act and how much you have advocated for boxers and, and just being on their side. Uh, do, do you find that younger fighters are aware of how much you've advocated in your career on their behalf? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I have to 
um, be conscious. And the word conscious needs to stay with everybody for a second because when I say conscious, I'm conscious about the medicine. What I say out of my mouth is medicine to their ears. It's medicine to the knowledge that they need to know. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to save everybody or save the world. What I am trying to do when they come to me as a big brother or as a respected respected fighter in the game and understood that I stood up amongst some of the biggest powers that that really defeated some of the greatest fighters of boxing time and mm-hmm. to be still capable to not only articulate myself but articulate history and articulate the good and the bad and in between in this business that I love and passionate about. My blood is all over the Muhammad Ali Act when I stood up in the late 90s, early 2000, after being actually threatening, threatening and actually, you know, in the windows about I'll be really killing my career by doing something that most fighters had invitations, but they didn't show up. That was whether gold medalists, whether it was championship fighters, whether they was big contracts with HBO, they didn't show up. I showed up. And I don't I said it before, it's in the archives if you dig deep and find it. And I stand up today and I understand that it's not a bill that has a lot of meat on it, but it has enough mm-hmm. meat on it to be called accountable for things that 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 seems to be sometimes raises ugly heads. So I'm glad that, um, you know, I have a history and standing up and speaking in front of the Senate in New York City boldly and proudly uh, about my experience not knowing things before I made a business decision because the law didn't structure for any, any representations to tell me. But now it's different because every fighter that fights has to sign off on everything before they fight. And that is in commissions before they get their check. That is in the commission logbook. And they got to know. Law can be law, but you got to know the law. You got to know what it means. And so as long as I'm living, as long as I'm healthy, and as long as I'm capable, I'm always here to educate the ignorant. I say it again, I'm always here to educate the ignorant. If they want it, I won't kick nobody doors down. I won't force them to listen. But when they come to me, it's up to me to give them the water that's polluted or the water that's pure and clear. Mm. You remember the Michael Max theme? Right. I chose to give right. them the purified water. I chose to give them the purified water and not the polluted water. I went back and I read all of your testimony. You first appeared in 1999 in you know, practically by yourself. No one else show, showed up. Went back in 2002, caught, you caught, and Bert Sugar. Excuse me, cut you off. I caught the subway Sorry. to go down there. I was getting ready to fight Robert Allen's second fight, if you remember. I broke yep. camp. This is how serious this mm-hmm. was. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I really got to get That's this okay. out because I want to let people know how profound and how passionate I am about this. Not emotional. This I'm just passionate. And I went down to New York City. I broke, I broke camp and went to D.C. also, and I spoke. Senator McCain and at that time the famous Elliot, Harry Reid uh, and, right. and, and, and Elliot Spitzer, the, the Spitzer, had uh, invited me down there to speak because they know and heard about 
my passion is to speak, and I represented every everyone that wanted to represent what I represented, even though they didn't show up. I'm pretty sure a lot of fighters wanted to come, but they didn't have the courage, they hadn't had the knowledge, mm-hmm. and they was told not to. But I again went against the grain, and mm-hmm. through Golden Boy and ourselves, uh, we set out to say to everybody that I gold is is to be different. Is not. Mm-hmm follow the tracks of those who we despise. And we don't have to mention names. We just say history. Mm-hmm. And so right. myself and Oscar and Oscar and myself um, is, is on that road and we continue to stay that way. And that's the credibility part when time becomes old. Mm-hmm. You know, going back and read your testimony, you were there in Burt Sugar and, and Tom Hauser when you were testifying. And you said that the Muhammad Ali is a good start. What do you feel that the Muhammad Ali Act has not been able to accomplish so far? What meat would you add to it? Well, I, I, if I was to testify today or tomorrow about what's there now and what need to be added on is stricter and more, more, more oversight on things that the smart minds out there that doesn't that don't take punches for a living that have really really high educate educational de- degrees and can be able to find so many loopholes and a bill that leaves some meat on the bone but not fully nothing is going to be perfect in any bill in any law in any way i understand mm-hmm. that but when you have a bill that covers managers and promoters and don't cover any other name or title but represent themselves as just that, then you have a bill that can be easily, easily, easily camouflaged but actually doing the same thing as the bill says is wrong. So it Mm -hmm. needs to be tightened up. It needs to be some clear clarification on mm-hmm. everything, because if you mm-hmm. operate as a manager, which the Ali Act covers, you follow me so far. Mm-hmm. If yes, you sir. operate as a promoter, if you operate as a promoter, as the Ali Bill covers, I can call myself an advisor. I can call mm-hmm. myself a consultant. I can call myself a baboon, whatever I want to call myself, but operate as was governed by law. Is it called a camouflage technology of something that's clear, but you say it's not because the title that you wear, which is a hat, but it's a hat that you wear on your head, and you're mm-hmm. operating as this, but you call yourself that. To me, that need to be straightened out and need to be clear clarification, as they say in law. And then what you do and how you represent what you call yourself, there's some conflict there. And when you have conflict, you got to have dialogue to separate the fiction and the reality of what's going on. And I think that people understand clearly what's unraveling behind the doors. 
Bernard, you've been managing yourself since 1995. What have you been able to figure out that so many of these fighters today haven't been able to figure out? That we trust too easily. Mm-hmm. We we trust too easily. We at some times are rocked to sleep by not being independent thinkers and we let people think for us and I remember and he's deceased now so I don't have to remember his name said to me as a young ambitious straight out of the penitentiary didn't really ask too many questions you worry about boxing and I worry about business. I remember that. But I, what I didn't understand, how at the end, when I fought Roy Jones Jr. in 1993 at RFK Stadium under the Riddick Bowl and Jesse Ferguson undercard, mm-hmm. that everybody in my team, managers at the time and promoters on record, got more money than I got of a percentage and I got mm-hmm. less, and I'm taking the punches. Mm-hmm. That right yeah. there sparked a that that right there sparked a flame in me. Early, see, I'm I'm a little different. When I say I'm a little different, I'm a little different, and I didn't. That bothered me. I didn't have no knowledge on how can mm-hmm. I f- confront it, how can I say anything, but it didn't make sense that. I'm the one that's risking my life. I'm the one that's putting myself in there. Then, then why I wind up out of all the whatever breakdown, and I start actually asking questions, and I start listening, and, and as we say in Philadelphia, air hustling, you know, you're not paying attention, but I am, but my ears are, and I'm, I'm finding out things as years go by, and I'm like, Wow. If you don't know, if you don't know, and you rely on people to tell you, and people, not all, don't always stay the same as you met them, then I said to myself, how can I protect myself? Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. That goes for anything, not just boxing. Knowledge is power. I tell the young, get all the knowledge you can. It doesn't guarantee you a million, a half a million dollars or or a $100,000 job a year, but more knowledge you have is better than having none. Get all the mm-hmm. knowledge you can. If you're in a business that generates money and fame, you should know about that business. You should know that, about that business from commercials, sponsorships, foreign sales, rebroadcasting. Mm-hmm. You should know about this business. I agree. And another hot topic out there in boxing right now, Bernard, is, is titles. You see a lot of fighters today that are losing their titles on the scale. They're vacating their titles. They're being handed titles. And perseverance has always been your biggest asset. Are, are these guys, this generation, do they just not really care about titles anymore? Are there too many titles? Well, I think it's a combination of both. But I, I, I think and, and again, I, I don't want to lose focus on Saturday, but I think when you have big fights coming up, and I've seen fighters today at the workout today here at the MGM, and also 
also at the press conference, and obviously they're going to be tomorrow or Friday at the weigh-in. You have you have a, a, a I think it's more 60-40, 60 on a positive, 40 on a I just want to you know money grab type of career, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and that's one I just made up in my mind, but it sounds good, and I think it's true. You have some <laughs> fighters this is a money, they they, they want to have a money grab career. They don't. They're not thinking mm-hmm. about titles. Yeah, they mentioned it because they was told to say it. But they actually showed it's just a money grab career. Now, who you know? My thing is this: is that a lot of fighters is not embarrassed if they don't represent themselves in a professional weather way. I mean, I remember a time again. I know we live in 2016. The generation is different. The generation is different on the street. No matter if you're in Chicago, Philadelphia, West Coast, East Coast, that they're different. Nobody fights no more. They shoot. So we know that the things that is different, the thinking is different. I think they care too. I think they don't give a damn about titles and legacies, most fighters. I really don't. But I, I, think, I think that to, 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 to agitate that and to put fruit to the fire is when you got people saying, hey, listen, you know, uh, it, it, I'm going to make you all the money in the world. You can have all the things you will. You know, you don't need the title. It's about the money. Then I, I think that when you have people that that they call themselves business people, maybe they are, and maybe they is. They are business people. But they're not looking out for the long term of the boxer, and they damn sure ain't looking out for the fighter's legacy to be able to tell his kids, grandkids. I don't even think they look that far. You know, I talk to mm. young kids in the street, well, young teenagers in the street, and I'm trying to give them positive message and positive vibes. They tell me they ain't thinking about living to 25. They can't see 25, and they 15 and 16, and they gangbangers. They have it over the East Coast, and they're they looking at me like I got three heads. Like, I'm this, you know, they respect me because they say I'm OG. I'm OG, and I, and I kept that credibility in the streets, even though I'm not in the streets. But when they see me, they pay homage and they respect me because they understand what, I, what I've done and they understand that I still stay connected to the community and, and, and have multiple uh, uh, business properties in the city of Philadelphia and Delaware. So when they see me, they give me that respect because I respect them. But when I start spitting and I start spitting that language and talking to them and having conversations, you know, they're looking at me. They're not saying it, but they're looking at me like, hold up, man, 25. They're not even thinking past that. So I look at the fighters in boxing. Mm-hmm. I put in the same same type of mentality, but in a different occupation, as I must say. They mm-hmm. thinking like I'm saying, man, you can be a, you can win a title, you build your legacy, you go money gonna come, it's gonna be there. They look at me like nothing is guaranteed. I gotta get mine now. If I gotta give mm-hmm. up a belt, and I'm being told by my handlers that you know I give up this belt and I'm gonna make a few thousand dollars more or I'm going to put myself in a position, but I got to win, then they get that butt up because they, A, being coached to do it, and, B, they have no knowledge to understand and even foresight to look at the future of, of do you want to be here to build a legacy or you want to be here as a, a guy with a money grab career? And remember what I just said. I just came off the top of my head. A lot of fighters want to be in a money grab career. They want to be in a money grab career. Looking at your, your main event fighter, Canelo Alvarez, he started in the sport very young. He has a tremendous following. He's clearly committed to building a legacy with Golden Boy. Other than how he fights in the ring, what do you see in him that makes you believe he has what it takes to build a long legacy in the sport? 
Well, one, one, and, and, and you know, first of all, he, I don't know what I can do. Maybe pick more hair on. Maybe I don't know. Maybe get my gaps pulled in a little bit more. He, first of all, he got the looks to 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 open up a lot of other sponsorships and other a lot of. A lot of Box sponsors that never even came to boxing, or if they came to boxing, they left. You know, when Oscar left, and and now they got a chance to come back. Mm-hmm. There's only few fighters in the history of boxing that grab that two two important months in in every year in Cinco de Mayo, May and September. And represented in a way of, of, of not only mainstream, but sponsors that, not the ones that we know about that's been in the boxing through the recession of boxing, through the ups and downs. We're talking about that new blood of, 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 of investors and new blood of, of sponsors that say, hey, this is a, this is a nice-looking young man. He, he, he can fight. He has the heart. You know, you don't care about if his modern career that's, Maybe somebody is trying to offer him to do some face commercial or some shots mm-hmm. that he's going to fight. He's going to be there. He's he's one of those guys that has that look, but not only with the look, he's the real deal. And and that's mm-hmm. something that doesn't that don't come around. I listen. For instance, I mean, look at look at look at the basketball player who got hurt, Curry. Mm-hmm. He came out of really nowhere. I wasn't like aware of him totally three years ago. I mean, think about it. Now, now, I mean, it's like watching a video game when he shoot the ball. <laughs> it's like watching a video game when he shoot the ball. So, so when, when I'm saying you got the Michael Jordans, you got the Kobe's. I mean, but you don't have four or five guys. You got guys that's B plus. I put the plus on there, but they never became the A. When you have those special talent that come through, and this ain't overhyping my guy. I'm just telling you, he got the looks. We call mm-hmm. him the mm-hmm. redhead Mexican and Mexican in, in Philadelphia. That's what they call. They they can't get his name too early. They say Canelo, but they say the redhead Mexican. Then they call him Canelo. And these are Mexicans mm-hmm. in, in Philadelphia call him that. So when he's that's mm-hmm. attached to him, he's the, the redhead Mexican. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's our guy, Canelo. So – when you have that buzz and you, you have a guy that can, 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 can deal with the, the fans and talk to people and, and he come across the way he do, you can't, you can't teach that. He, he just has it. And, and now mm-hmm. if you can fight beyond just being the average and, and you happen to represent two important months in boxing, I mean, come on, that's our Kobe Bryant in boxing. He's our Kobe Bryant in boxing. He's our Michael Jordan mm-hmm. in boxing. Only thing now, Canelo, Canelo right now, only thing he has to do is win when he's supposed to win and make history in doing it and continue to smile, continue to say the right things, continue to kiss every baby, sign every autograph, and guess what? Mm -hmm. I guarantee you we're going to enjoy him for a long time. Excellent. In addition to this this really exciting main event that you're putting on Saturday night, this undercard is not too shabby either. You got Lemieux Tapia, you got Herrera Gomez, yes. Texera Stevens. What's your favorite fight on this undercard? And and, and this, I, I, listen, Lemieux is making it. This is right now his fight to get the dust off and also get back in the game, as I said to him today. This is where you get back in the game. Is, is, is people going to say, oh, man, he knocked – no, no, not that type of game. 
but I'm talking about his confidence, you know, in the, in the conversation of that weight division. It's, he, he, he's young himself. He still has um, a, a lot of, of good fights left in him. And you know what? He lost to Triple G. That's not an embarrassment. Right. You know what I mean? So who, you know, who, who didn't lose to Triple G so far? So when you look at the first, the, the main event, and then the co-main event, and like you just mentioned, even before the co-main event, the card is loaded. The card is loaded. We hear the promoters say that. Everybody says that when they do a card on this type of a level. But when you look at it, it's two fights. Maybe the co- maybe the co-main event is, is pretty decent. But then after that, it'd be like, you know, I'm showing up for the co-main event and stay for the main event. And most people do that. This fight here, this card rather, has multiple fights where people is going to say they coming to see. At least three or four fights that they're going to come and see and be able to know that all four of those fights, main event, co-main event, and under the two underneath can easily, can easily, easily be a main event in any, in any, any, any place uh, in boxing venue. Not taking you too much off track of the, of your event on Saturday, but who is appointment watching for you? Who do you say, ooh, so-and-so is fighting, I have to watch? Who do you like watching these days? Who do I like watching these days in boxing period, whether they with Golden Boy or not? I guess right. that's what right. you're asking me, period. Just period. Crawford? We, well, you could start with your guys. He okay. said no, Crawford? No, 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 I'm going to get, well, I'm, everybody expecting me to say Canelo and all that right now. That's that's a given. So, Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm thinking ahead of what people would say. Well, he's supposed to say that, and they're right. You know, of course, Canelo's on because he's one of those top fighters in that that crew. But you got I can name him Crawford, uh, Sergey Kovalev. Mm-hmm. Um, I can mm-hmm. Canelo, of course. Um, you you have uh, guys uh, uh, that's coming up. Ortiz, the heavyweight. I want to see him. I think he mm-hmm. can beat every heavyweight out there. I don't care who the mm-hmm. hell is it. Hey, I think he can mm-hmm. beat. Yeah, I think he can beat them now, right now. All of them, right? You know, what I mean, so right so, now. And I mean, Clisco is out. I mean, that would have been like my major concern uh, of of maybe uh, you know he's biting off too much you can chew, but you never know because of the experience of of Kovalev. But I mean, not Kovalev from um, Clisco. So my my thing is he's sort of out of the way, even though he got a rematch with Furry with Tyson. But at the end of the day, when you look at Ortiz. Who's who's scaring everybody in the heavyweight division? You got guys that's trying to be down, be cruiserweights, and know they can't make it to get out of that division. So, so, so when you look at that, and you look at um, I mentioned um, the welterweight that I believe top rank uh, uh, promotes him, Crawford. He's a he's a really he remind, he remind me of old school boxing, and I mean, so you you have you, you to me you have those fighters out there that I like to see. And you know, look a little banner weight. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. I'm looking. You like? You I'm like sorry. The, go you ahead. Like, you like the you got chocolito or chocolito? Yeah, chocolito. <laughs> right, right. I'm saying the name right because I'm you know, I'm bad. I'm terrible it's, with names. So it's a chocolatito. Chocolatito. Like, You're like from Philly. Come on, Bernard. Yeah, I know. Chocolatito. <laughs> so, so, but listen, I like him though. Can, can you, can, can you, like this guy can fight. I, I like him. And I, I have to, you know, 
I had the privilege to uh, commentate some of his fights on HBO, as you know, and and I really got to watch him up close. And, you know, but it, it's, a, you know, we got some breakout people on Golden Boy's side, and you also got some that's on other people's uh, Umbra, on the other, other people's umbrella that I'm excited But boxing right now and a junior welterweight, well, lightweight, junior welterweight, welterweight, junior middleweight, middleweight, uh, it's 60 between 75 pounds. I mean, it's the divisions, it's up and down, it's, it's exciting. And, and boxing is, to me, is, is in a good position right now. If the fights get made, you got, you know, Julian Williams, I like him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, have, you have young fighters. Uh, from Philadelphia, you know, there's someone in Alabama, some not in Alabama, Jesse Hart. I think he's a 68-pounder. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of 68-pounders under our umbrella and Golden Boy promotion. Their fights can mm-hmm. be made there with, with the young generation actually right there knocking on the door to get in the top five, number, you know, between the top five contention. I mean, so it's a lot of fights that, that I see that can be made um, since we're working with each other anyway. And, and mm-hmm. you know, American now really, really, you know, stepping up and, and taking a challenge because he believes he can win and make history. I think it's just going to open up a lot of good things for us to talk about. Now, I think we're going to be having conversations like this this year uh, often. I really do. And looking at some of the guys on your undercard, we see Diego De La Hoya and Jason Quigley. For fans who watch LA Fight Club, we've seen them as fixtures and is this moving up to the pay-per-view kind of like graduation day for these guys? And of these guys, who would you say is is the guy who you think will move up faster out of uh, your freshman guys that you've got on the undercard for this fight? Well, well, I, I, I've got my eye on Delaware. I think that he's going to move up really fast. I just look at it like this. Like a lot of guys you've seen on, on LA Live and, and – and other Fox TV and things like that, you know, they, they had their driver's permit. And now their driver's permit and they got the driver hours under. They are, they are right now graduating to a situation where now they get a chance to be on a big undercard on a big month. And they get a chance now to really be under the lights, be asked questions that they weren't really asked as often or frequently as they was asked in, in, in other fights leading up to this. So I, I, I see um, them actually getting in a situation, not graduating yet, but going to another grade in the school of boxing to be able to now establish themselves uh, as, mm-hmm. as somebody that, that you and I and, and the boxing media and the public to watch them and see them come up. Because even though they're not in the co-main event or the main event, People will see them and they know they was in the car, on the card that that was that was meaningful to, to to boxing and that's that's first of all that is encouragement for themselves and that buys them a lot of uh, uh, I guess um, you could say experience. Mm-hmm. You know, my partner, as you know, was from Philadelphia, like you, so I get tuned into you know from th- fighters from Philly and pay a little bit more attention, even though I'm on the West Coast. There's a kid out there, Damon Allen. Talk to Damon me about Allen. Damon Allen. How you like this kid? Philly, Damon Allen is uh, first of all, he, he definitely he definitely flat out flat out fight, um, and got a mean street to him when he fight. He's like he's he's slick, but he got a mean street to him, and he got a good look. 
And when you look at mm-hmm. Damon Allen, as you mentioned, um, he has a good look to him. He's young, but he has a really, really, when I say old soul of experience, and that's what Philly give you. You know, Philly give you that because, you know, this this not his first rodeo when you see him fighting and coming up through the amateurs and coming out of Philly. You, you know that you had to actually have some good fights, not wars, because we don't do that anymore like we're, named, like we're known for doing in the 70s and the early 80s and maybe some of the 90s, but Damon Allen has that type of, put it this way, he has, he definitely has that DNA of being something great to come out of Philadelphia. And, and you know what? I'm glad that I'll set the bar so high that that he will bring his best to try to set his own and surpass anything that I've done, anybody else done. And I know that seemed like a tall order, and maybe it is, but one thing about that is is it will separate those who say they're great, but do you dare to be great? And Damon Allen has the ingredients along. I mentioned Jesse Hart. I mentioned um, Julian Williams. You have you have Danny Garcia. You have mm-hmm. you have you have you have names. And again, they don't have to be on the Golden Boy promotion. You know, I'd be a fool not to mention these guys' names based on anything else. They have an opportunity because the bar has been set high to be able to now be motivated. And I want them to be motivated. I really do. I want them to be motivated. I don't want them to get a free pass. They would not get a free pass under my watch. That's right. You know, you mentioned surpassing you. Bernard, they can't surpass you if you're still fighting. Are you still? So it's 2016. The alien, the executioner, the alien is still active. Will we see a return to the ring from you in 2016? Meaningfully, respectfully, I deserve not asking. I'm saying, really telling in a respectful way to all my fans and to everybody that I deserve to go out the way I want to go out. Mm -hmm. I deserve to go out like Kobe Bryant. I deserve to go out respectful in my sport that I've represented Mm -hmm. in and out of the ring as we talked about almost 30-plus minutes. Right. I will want to fight. I probably will fight at the end of the year, and if I don't, then this year will be a wrap because Mm -hmm. I will not embarrass my legacy or my family or my city or even my hardcore or even soft-core fans to be a circus act for anybody. And so... Mm. It will be someone that you and I or everybody, not you and I, but you and other people will say, well, why would he fight a tough fight like that? If it ain't a fight that makes me actually deep, dig mm-hmm. deep as I've always done in every fight, every fight, even a fight that people gave me father one underdog or father one favor, no matter what, then then I will, will bow out and just go away and do what I've been doing for many, many years is that it's contributing to boxing in the way I'm contributing to it now. But I want to do one. We're talking while we're in Vegas. We're talking when I get back um, to Philadelphia in New York City. HBO want to do another fight with me. I want to do another fight with them. 
Golden Boy want to do mm-hmm. another fight. It's just finding someone that ain't afraid to lose to a 51-year-old mm-hmm. man and be, mm-hmm. 52 in Jan- and be 52 in January. You got to understand, losing to Bernard Hopkins, I always tell these guys when they, 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 they've been, you know, I think most of them will fight. And they got to be somebody that, that I wouldn't want the media to say, why would he fight that dangerous fight at this stage? Because what us Bernard have always done? Uh, so when I when I called out certain fighters, and I said, "Well, I'm calling out certain fighters," they calling out me, or I'm calling out them. It made no difference. I said, "If I'm going to fight, I like to fight somebody that nobody want to fight." So if nobody want to mm-hmm. fight this particular middleweight, right? I don't have a problem mentioning his name. I think he representing division I ruled for 13 years very well. But if nobody mm-hmm. want to fight, and that's what I built my career off of doing things that nobody gave me a chance to do, then step up to the plate and let's do it. Don't pit my age as a factor to bail out. And, okay. and, 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 and as we all know that sometimes things don't happen. I will not beg. I will not plead. I will just let the fans understand that, you know, don't handle sympathy for me. I am fine financially. I'm fine in my, in, in my health. Uh, I believe I still speak, um, clearly and understandably and I still gonna hold the audience and not have nobody looking at me kind of cross out it. But I know for a fact mm-hmm. that I am a problem no matter how how old they might say or whatever my age is, they know I'm a problem, they know I'm a risk and they know that the fight Bernard Hopkins, uh, if you win you lose. And so I'm a businessman, I know how to think out of the box, but I had to go ahead and throw it out there and let you understand that hey, if you can't fight nobody, we ain't gonna wait till sixty years old to say come on let's fight Bernard or fifty five. There is a deadline, and I felt that I've I'd be doing a disservice to myself to take it any further than that and and put myself in a situation like I'm begging for a fight because I'm not. I'm really not. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. And so my my thing is, am I retired? No. Do I want to get a fight? Would I want to get a meaningful fight that means something to me and, and, and hopefully to the fans because I will make sure that it will be somebody that they would be like, wow, I got to go see that. Because I believe that whoever out there between 68 and 70 or even 75, but doesn't matter, I've been there already. I like to grab a belt that I didn't grab. I jumped over 68 to get to 75. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tell people, let's not forget that – the same thing you're asking certain fighters to do or not to do, I've done. So hold them to the same credibility and accountability. I mean, so mm-hmm. so That's so right. so when when you start doing that, then the politics and 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 all the other stuff be exposed, and then you got to deal with it because you're all going to ask questions. You know what? Yeah. It wasn't too long ago. It wasn't 20 years ago. I've done that. It wasn't. It wasn't 30 years ago. I've done that. It was recently. Not. Tomorrow, yesterday, or I mean, not yesterday or last month. It was some years back, but it wasn't that far ago where we forgot. But those yeah. who want to forget, we, we, we as boxing people that want to see good fights have to remind people what was done before can be right. done again if they're willing to do it, if they're willing to do it. And, you know, I'm still capable and I'm still ready to go, but if I don't, then I'm satisfied with that too. I'm at peace. Believe me, y'all, I'm at peace. 
Well, you know what? You did do it all. You moved up. You moved down. You fought at catch weights. I mean, you did anything you had to do, you know, to I dare to. I dare to be great. I dare to be great. And I, I look, Winky Wright uh, for him for a championship at 70. Kelly yep. Pavley at 70. And I was champion. So you're absolutely right. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of biased media for some reason, right? And they mm-hmm. forget. And and I had to remind them, and not in a diplomatic way, in a way of they can understand, because that's all that's all they do understand is the way you come at them hard and you come at them accurate. So mm-hmm. my my whole thing is that you got to understand, you dare to be great, then then you would do things to do that, don't you? And again, you know, you got some that were saying they looked at me like, okay, it's about Bernard. No, it ain't about me. Y'all want me to think, and you want people to think I want to get my name. I'm not glutton for attention in the media. I'm letting y'all know that I'm sitting right here in front of y'all, and y'all been at my fights, and y'all been in this situation when y'all see me do something that I didn't have to do but I, because, A, it was the right fight to make, and B, I wanted to be make history, and I wanted to show that I want this fight, that I'm willing to do it to make this fight happen. Hold Hold, you got to hold people to that same accountability. If you don't, to me, then it shows bias. And when it shows bias, mm-hmm. maybe 99% of people in boxing won't bring it up. I'm going to bring it up in your face, and I'm going to bring it up often. Absolutely. So, before, before we wrap up with you, Bernard, I have to tell you, a lot of people always talk about your great wins over Antonio Tarver and Trinidad, but I personally believe your best performances were against Glenn Johnson and Joe Lipsy. I watched that Joe Lipsy fight, Mandalay. I'm sorry, what was that? Joe Lipsy fight, yeah, that was, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, that fight was one of my best starting off, yeah. So you agree with me. I watched it on YouTube and I was like, wow, like Bernard's a bad man. You know, that, that, those can, are the fights I, I, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. Can I speak on the, I'm going to speak on the Joe Lipsy and I'm going to speak on the Glenn Johnson. And first of all, I'm going to tell you, you're right about those two fights. And I can all give right. you some little history. The Joe Lipsy fight, he was undefeated. They call him a hammer. He had a great amateur career. I hit it with a counter uppercut. Vicious knockout. He haven't boxed since he retired. Glenn Johnson, undefeated, tough. I just signed with America Presents. You remember that? Yep. The late Dan Goosen. Matt Tentley, under the American Presents banner, they just signed David Reed. At that time, I believe, the only gold medal for that year. And I was, at that time, the undisputed middleweight champion of the world. And, and or, the one, I think one champion. I don't think I was undisputed at the time. No, I wasn't. And, and that was the 11th round, I believe. I stopped Glenn Johnson. I think I'm the only one that stopped him. Maybe he's been stopped once since, but I think I'm the only one that stopped Glenn Johnson. Um, undefeated, tough, came straight forward. We became really friends, speak often, even to the day, me and Glenn Johnson, because I spent a lot of time in Miami. I have a place there. And 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 we, we, we have conversations all the time, not about the fight, but we just talk about life, period. And I think those two fights really made boxing people that knew what they were seeing really pay attention to me over the years. The Tom Housers, 
it, it just you know to Nazar Collins at the time. I remember, I, re, I remember these guys in, in West Coast, East Coast, um, following me and watching me. Whether we agreed to disagree, at the end of the day, I knew what kind of man I was, and and still is. That not only was I going to fight to the end in the ring, but I'm gonna fight to the end out of the ring. And that's what I want people to remember me for my legacy. I don't think, I don't want if I leave out of the game, which I will. We all have to, and I can be remembered by one thing. If if you didn't ask, I'm going to say it. I want to be remembered from a person that took his job very, very extremely serious, and also, also wanted to leave a profound, profound conversation when time go by about my career and about how I never left a stone unturned and wanted to get the last drop of achievements or goals that I needed to do because when it's over and they burying you there's no coming back from that. And so I've reached that point, 99.9%. To the day, I have no regrets. I have no regrets on my career and the choices I made. And the choices I made. All right, Bernard. Well, before we wrap it up, let's bring it back to the card. Saturday night, the big event, breaking into T-Mobile Arena. Any parting words for the listeners regarding Saturday night's event, when the live broadcast starts, if there, if tickets are still available, just all the information yes, the, for anybody who's listening. Yes, everybody that's listening, their tickets are still available, but not a lot. HBO pay-per-view. The fight's going to be, to me, it's going to be something that, the world's going to be talking about. I think it's going to be one for the history books. Either come out if you're close by. If you're not, you still got a couple of days to get here. Also, HBO pay-per-view is going to be there. And also, look out look out for the last episode of 24-7 to watch it before the fight. And enjoy it. And we got more coming. It's just the start an important month in boxing mm-hmm. Canelo in America alright well thank you Bernard always an honor always a pleasure to speak with you looking forward to some great great fights on Saturday night and more of what Golden Boy has to come as we close out 2016 and move into 2017 thank you again for joining us thank you good night All right. take care good night good night all right B Hop the Legend dropping dropping some knowledge on us, RB, before we wrap it up for the evening. Oh, that was a lot. That was a lot to take in. I'm actually looking forward to re-listening to the show because he dropped so much knowledge and it was so deep. And he goes deeper than most people in boxing do. You know, and, and he was really passionate talking about the Muhammad Ali act and his legacy, and it was just a lot of good stuff. I mean, I'll, I'm going to definitely listen to this tonight. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come back and wrap the show. When the mind is ready, the body prepares for war. So next time you engage in battle, protect your hands with the best. 
War Tape, the original branded tape. Order yours now at wartapebrand.com and see why the enemy will fear you. Wartapebrand.com. We put hands on you. All right, and we're back. The Ruckus Podcast brought to you by BadCulture.net. Jay LaBeouf, RB, Raging Bay, Michelle Rosado. Before we wrap it up for tonight, you, as you know, the big event happening in Las Vegas this weekend at the T-Mobile Arena, Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan on the undercard and the co-feature, David Lemieux versus Glenn Tapia, players Mauricio Herrera and Frankie Gomez. Mauricio's been on our show, so make sure you go and listen to our past interviews. Curtis Stevens versus Patrick Texera on the card. Diego De La Hoya, Jason Quigley, a full packed card. So make sure you tune in on HBO pay-per-view Saturday night. And uh, we didn't have a chance to get to some of the boxing news. Uh, Like we said at the top of the show, Anthony Joshua announced his multi-year deal with uh, Showtime. Broner on the Breakfast Club. If you want to listen to an interview, go to badculture.net. You can listen to Adrian Broner's full interview on the Breakfast Club there. Uh, news of a possible Lucas Matisse return this fall and Crawford Postal Presser coming up in Los Angeles. RB, before we, you know, cue the music for the night, any final thoughts for the listeners? No, just uh, re-listen. Go back to the Bad Culture TV on Black, on Black Talk. It'll be uploaded on YouTube by tomorrow. Make sure you give it a listen. Um, I did tell people that we were going to have a little bit of word on the curb tonight. So, Jay, if you don't mind, I just want to squeeze it in because there could be people listening in that were dying for the word on the curb. Um, yes. So, as, as Jay said, Anthony Joshua did ink a deal with Showtime. Showtime landed the big fish today, and they had a formal announcement. And this deal is going to take Joshua into 2017 with Showtime. So he's going to fight in June and then again in November on Showtime and then probably early spring in 2017. The word on the curb is, is that HBO never made him a serious offer. So Eddie, mm. yeah, so Eddie Hearn was in New York last week. And he did meet with both parties, and he also met with some other people in the industry to get advice and some mentorship on, you know, what was the right decision for him to make. And HBO just didn't make a serious offer. They're still having budget issues, and they're still having date availability issues. So it was really a no-brainer that Eddie Hearn chose Showtime for Anthony Joshua. Eddie Hearn out there making those business moves. So you heard it here. Go back and listen to the show again. When you write your articles, remember where you heard it. I'd like to thank our amazing guest, Bernard Hopkins, for taking some time during this busy fight week to sit with us. My illustrious, amazing host, co-host, Michelle Rosado. Make sure you visit RagingBabe.com. Make sure you visit BadCulture.net. Uh, for videos, Bad Culture TV. We will have some fight week content, although I'm in Los Angeles and RB is in Phoenix. We got eyes everywhere, so make sure you visit sites. Thank you for listening in. We will be back on Monday with the Morning Punch-In Show. At Make sure you tune it in. Make sure you lock the link. Look for the promos coming out over the weekend. I think we got somebody hot for the hotline bling, so make sure you tune in. And thanks for listening, and we're out. <laughs>